It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Friend of the podcast and former Red Bronson Arroyo became the 82nd member of the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. We'll hear from him about receiving this great honor. There are many former Reds looking for new homes in 2023, and we will take a look at who might fit into the Reds' plans for a homecoming in the Queen City. We've got all that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Hit it! You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this club and to information for you. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day, and we are free and available on all platforms. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen. On today's show, we are going to talk about... Bronson Arroyo and making the Hall of Fame. I made his case a couple of different times and we talked about how he was the guy that looked like the Hall of Fame inductee out of the 2023 class. And we are going to look at some possible reunions that the Reds could have with former players who have been playing elsewhere. They could come back to Great American Ballpark this season. But on that thought process, I've got a question for Steve and a question for you that has stumped me about the whole idea of Reds reunions. We'll, we'll get into that, though, because I want to start first, Steve, with a little bit of celebration because our man, our friend of the podcast, Bronson Arroyo, one of my favorite players of all time and still a jersey that A, fits me and B, still is wearable in public, I absolutely loved watching him play for the Reds. Well, listen, he was a lot of fun to watch and he was a part of some of the last sadly good baseball teams, uh, to wear Cincinnati Reds uniform. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, first of all, shout out to you for calling this when we, when we discussed this, when the list came out of players that were under consideration for the Reds hall of fame, uh, you went with Bronson and you ended up being absolutely right. And, and, you know, honestly, Jeff, the, the Reds hall of fame got this one, right. If it was going to be a pitcher, uh, there there's, there's, uh, some arguments for a couple other pitchers, but if it was going to be a pitcher of the pitchers under consideration, Bronson needed to be the first one to go in. I agree. And, and I also agree with your take about hitters that until Reggie Sanders goes in, you're not putting another bat in there, but that's a, that's a conversation for another time. Bronson Arroyo absolutely deserves it. You're talking about a dude who put together the kind of career that every major leaguer wants to have. He has longevity. He had good performances for that long amount of time. I know that he set the record for most home runs allowed in the season and things like that, but still we're talking about a dude that overall did exactly what you needed from him. He pitched six innings every time out. He went out there, he got the outs. And whenever the Reds were their best, at least over the last like 25 years in 2012, he was their best on the mound. And that is saying something. Well, listen, he pitched nine seasons for the Cincinnati Reds, Jeff. I mean, I don't think people realize that, that, that he was here for so long. It's, it's easy to, to, 
think of him as a Red Sox because that's where he got his ring. It's easy to think of him, you know, as not a, a Cincinnati Red, but, you know, almost a decade he pitched for this team during his time. Uh, and that's total time with the Reds, both uh, the first stint and the, the, the farewell tour when he was 40. Uh, uh, there's not a great one number metric for a pitcher, but you know me, I like to take one of the plus numbers just to use it as a guideline. ERA plus baseballreference.com, Bronson Arroyo, career as a Cincinnati Red, 102. 2% above league average. And again, he pitched his age 40 season with a bum shoulder for the Reds. Those numbers are included in that. You know, he was a, a tremendous veteran presence in this rotation during periods of great baseball being played by this team. And I think that, uh, you know, that longevity, that presence, that, uh, that ability for the team to rely on him during those times when the, the team felt like every day they went out on the field with an opportunity to win. That says a lot about him and, and who he is and, and who he was for, for this franchise. So for him to be the 82nd member of the Reds hall of fame, I, you know, I, I couldn't be happier for him. And he's the quintessential pitcher that, you know, a lot of guys we talk about nowadays, you know, if they, if they aren't a fireballer, we kind of wonder how long they're going to last. Toward the end, and not even 2017, but toward the end of his tenure as a Red, he was throwing fastballs routinely in like 89 miles an hour, but he put it exactly where he wanted it to go, and he fooled you with all the different arm angles, and he fooled you with all the different motions and things like that. He was a cerebral pitcher, and that's something he took pride in. And you know, I got the chance, Steve, to sit down and talk with him about his reaction to being inducted into the Reds Hall of Fame. All right, Bronson, you made it. You're in the Reds Hall of Fame. What's this mean? Oh, man, it uh, it means um, a place that is home, a place that I can walk into for the rest of my life. Um, you know, go into the Hall of Fame and be proud, you know, of a legacy that, I, that I've left. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys who get to play the game who leave a good legacy for their family, but they don't necessarily have a place that you could walk inside. Your, your kids, your grandkids, maybe your your nieces and nephews and their kids can walk in and actually punch your name into a computer and have your, your hall of fame, you know, plaque just light up on the wall like they do here in Cincinnati. It is, you know, it's something that when, when I think about what my life means and, and does it matter if you leave anything behind, you know, a lot of times I, you know, I, I play music and a lot of times I, I tend to think that maybe five generations from now, somebody's going to listen to an album that I created long before they'll pop in a VCR tape and watch an old game that I had pitched, right? And so to be in the Hall of Fame and to have something tangible that people could walk in from now until whenever that stadium doesn't exist anymore and really, you know, see my face light up next to guys like Adam Dunn and Eric Davis and Barry Larkin and all, all the guys that we grew up watching, um, you know, it means the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's what you play for, right? You play for the back of your baseball card. You play for 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 the money you you play for your teammates you play for world series rings you play for getting in the hall of fame and you want people to recognize you and remember you and and, and that's what they've done and it's been fantastic when you look back on your career what what's your favorite stat I, I i'm always curious to see what guys say about this because i know that we as fans we like to talk about different things especially with pitchers we look at era we look at the win-loss record all that different stuff but when you look back on your career what's your favorite stat 
Well, I always, my favorite stats always come in, in combination blended with my minor league stats, right? I had 84 minor league wins. I had 1,100 minor league innings, and people don't realize what a bulk that is. I mean, that I'm like a minor league Hall of Famer, you know? And, and uh, when you blend that with my big league stuff, you know, I think I, I, think I started 456 games from the rookie league all the way till middle of 2014 when I finally went on the disabled list with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. And so those 450 some odd starts um, without missing one in professional baseball is no doubt what I'm most proud of. I always wanted to be an Ironman. I always wanted to pitch as many innings as I could year after year. I never wanted to not take the ball um, every fifth day. And, um, you know, that got me to where I am because my skill set was not extraordinary, but my ability to run a race for a really long time was extraordinary. And, and uh, you know, that was where my ego really lied. You know, Jeff, I, I, I got to say, he really hit the nail on the head with that longevity thing, that Iron Man thing. L listen to this. He came over from the Boston Red Sox prior to the 2006 season. Between 2006 and 2013, before he left for Arizona in 2014, he started 32 games or appeared in 32 games or more every season that he was in Cincinnati. He threw 200 innings or more every season that he was in Cincinnati during that time period. He was a tremendous gamer, go-to guy, Mr. Reliable. And I think that is what really cemented his case for becoming a member of the Reds Hall of Fame was that 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 ability to rely on him and count on him to be the guy every fifth day no matter what reliability longevity and pretty good performances too while you're doing it that is worthy of recognition and I always wonder this and this is probably even a larger conversation than what we're going to give it here in the next few seconds but where does he rank for you uh, as far as like best reds pitching because I think it's obvious it's like Mario Soto and you got Jose Rijo at the top and then we're talking about Johnny Cueto we're talking about Luis Castillo and then there's kind of a bunch of guys because then you go you go into era arguments like does mm -hmm. do you put Bucky Walters and Paul Derringer in there? Do you put Noodles Han in there? Guys that I am pretty sure if they pitch nowadays would have a hard time getting outs because guys nowadays would crush what they were throwing back then. But even still, kind of like you mentioned, the ERA plus, it's not as if Bronson set the world on fire, but I tend to think of him as a top ten pitcher in Reds history. You know, I think it's probably easy to say safely that Bronson Arroyo is a top 15 pitcher for this franchise all time. Easy to say top 15. Uh, if you want to start in saying he's a top 10 pitcher for this franchise, you could probably start to get into some territory of argument. But uh, it's very, very safely, very easily say in the history of baseball's oldest professional franchise, he's one of the top 15 pitchers to ever suit up. And that's something worth noting. I mean, you're talking about 152 years now that this team has been doing it. And the fact that he can put himself in that upper echelon. Heck, I mean, he's in the Hall of Reds Hall of Fame now officially, so we can start to have those conversations. I'm sure we'll talk about that more as we do like some throwback Thursday stuff this offseason, but yeah, it's just it's a thought. I mean, obviously, you know, 
player legacies and things like that always come into play when you talk about Hall of Fames and when you talk about retirements and things like that. And Bronson's no different. Well, I think, you know, probably the the big takeaway with Bronson being inducted into Hall of Fame is uh, when you pitch well enough and you do it for long enough like Bronson did, you definitely deserve recognition from the franchise. And I am just so happy to see him getting that recognition. Uh, now baseball uh, Reds Hall of Fame, uh, Reggie Sanders is waiting for your phone call. There are many former Reds like Reggie Sanders, uh, <laughs> but some of them are still active and looking for a new home in the 2023 baseball season. Jeff and I are going to discuss who might be a good fit to return to the Queen City. Uh, but first, if you're looking for a good fit on your next dress shirt, head to Roan.com right now because Roan uh, recognized that the dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable and flexible shirt known to man and here's why mobility is everything roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to 18 holes on the golf course they've got you covered looking good is easy it's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt throughout the day. It's that easy. That's all you have to do. Odor-free technology uh, with the gold fusion anti-odor technology, you will be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. You just drop it in the washing machine and go. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on to save 20% on your entire order at Roan.com. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to Roan, R-H-O-N-E.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on. It's time to find your corner offer, <laughs> corner office comfort with Roan. Upgrade your closet with Roan and use the locked on to save 20% at www.roan.com slash locked on. All right, coming up tomorrow, uh, it's going to be another Aloha Friday. This one will be live. What are we going to be talking about? Well, that is up to you. Once again, you, the listeners, will be in the driver's seat as we do a live edition of the Locked on Reds podcast. That's this Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. Eastern time for uh, a lot of Reds conversation. Uh, we'll talk Arizona Fall League. We'll talk Reds offseason. We'll talk whatever you guys want to talk about. So make sure you are watching us live and you are in the comment sections because we look forward to the interactions with you. All right, Jeff, uh, speaking of interactions, hopefully Nick Crawl has already begun the process of having some interactions with some potential free agents and maybe a little off the book uh, schmoozing going on as uh, the offseason hasn't officially gotten underway. But uh, hopefully he's at least checking out who is available. And you uh, stumbled upon an, an interesting uh, comment today, I think, came to you via Twitter. If you want to throw that up on the screen for Actually, our came. viewers 
actually came via YouTube and uh, shout out to JD for this comment on yesterday's episode. He had this to say, he said, Lance McAllister tweeted this in August, and I think it's just crazy enough to work. Emailer says if the Reds are going to go with the fringe free agent one year rental route to fill out the roster next year, rather than the minor fam Strickland Moran, Moran route, uh, Moran, Moran, whatever. He liked to see former players like Cueto, Barnhart, Naquin, Billy, Chapman, those guys. So what are our thoughts on that? So I thought it would be a good exercise to kind of go down that list a little bit and let's rank as to how likely a reunion would be. And I think we'll start with, uh, two of the more likely guys. We've, we've already mentioned both of them at some, uh, some form or fashion as to the reds possibly going after them this off season. And I'll start with Adam Duvall because we did talk about him on the outfield portion yesterday when we're talking about possibilities for the Reds to get some help out there. I think that of this list, he's the most likely reunion to happen because he is still competent. He is still playing very, very well, but he's also to the point in his career where I don't think people trust that to give him a multi-year deal. He will get one year deals and he'll get the kind of average annual value on his contract that the Reds can actually play ball with. They're not going to be priced out of Adam Duvall right off the bat. So I think that he is the most likely candidate to return to great American ballpark. You know, you, you may be correct. There's a couple additional reasons why I would like this particular signing. Uh, number one, we know that great American ballpark can be a great place for you to come on a prove it deal and yes. put up some numbers to further your career. If you're a player and, uh, it's like this. The Reds sign him on the cheap. They bring him into Great American Ballpark. He hits 20 bombs, let's say that number, before the trade deadline, and you flip him, uh, much like we did Brandon Drury. Uh, I, I like that deal. Uh, and maybe by the time trade deadline rolls around, some of the youngsters have come up and filled out roster spots, and you don't need an Adam Duvall around anymore, and you get some kind of return for him. I like this the most because of this list, he's probably uh, the most capable of jumping into the Reds lineup and doing a little bit of damage, at least during home games. Yeah, for sure. And, and kind of like you said, like the youngsters coming up, the guys, now you get me saying youngsters, but the guys coming up and actually <laughs> fitting into the roles that we want them to fit into is the most important part about next season. Sure. This team could catch lightning in a bottle and be interesting, but it's about the future. It's about the playoff future of the Reds and being a sustainable, competitive franchise. And in order to do that, you don't want to block those guys. However, they're not going to be ready on opening day. They're probably not going to be ready by Memorial Day. So we need to have a competent roster until that point and not just continually roll out Aristides Aquino and expect him to not strike out 25 times a week. I, I really want them to actually think about this and go after some guys. And as of the former Reds who are available, I think Adam Duvall is the most likely and the probably the um, most desirable as, as far as like situation goes, you know, the outfield needing help, him being able to fit within the Reds budget and so on. So you mentioned the Reds budget, and that brings me to the next guy on the list because I'm not quite sure what kind of money this particular player would demand for a return, but 
he could definitely be valuable to the Reds. And I am talking about Tucker Barnhart. Yes. He went to Detroit for basically nothing and uh, is now a free agent. And for me, he makes a whole lot of sense. Now, he's not going to come back to Great American Ballpark and hit 320 home runs. And, and, and that's not what you're looking for from Tucker Barnhart. You're looking for a guy that can maybe hit around 230, 240, can put a few of, uh, a few of those Who pitches. Who are we can, Steve? Based on the backup catchers we watched last year, 200 will be an upgrade. Well, I was trying to be nice, but yes, you're absolutely <laughs> right. No, Tucker Barnhart can, you know, has the ability to to hit a few home runs. I think he could hit 230 for this team, but here's where his value is. You definitely need two catchers on the major league roster that are going to, two catchers are going to see a lot of playing time. Uh Tyler Stevenson cannot play every day as much as we would like to make it so. Tucker Barnhart is a gold glove catcher, still plays defense at an elite level behind the plate, has demonstrated the ability time and time again to work with young pitchers and get the most out of them. He's exactly who the Reds need to go get because, as you just mentioned, they had 500 catchers on this roster <laughs> this year, and none of them could hit the broadside of a barn if their life depended on it. Only Tyler Stevenson remains that is going to uh, be a catcher on this roster. So for me, Tucker Barnhart makes a whole lot of sense. I would love to see it. I would love to see him back in Cincinnati. Uh, the, the, the key is the finances. Will he sign cheaply enough? Maybe an incentive laden deal games played. I don't know how you do that, but could you get him back here to, you know, continue to be a mentor to Tyler Stevenson and continue to work with these young pitchers, uh, but be a viable catcher number two. And I know they still have a lot of strong ties to this area as well. So I think that if the Reds were interested in a reunion, I think Tucker would be interested too. And, you know, I hate to say this from Tucker's standpoint, but he didn't have the greatest year last year. If you look up his statistics, he actually was kind of in line with the backup catcher performances we saw down here in Cincinnati. I don't think that happens. I think he goes back to where, you know, 210, 220, something like that. 230 might be a little bit optimistic, but 220 is fine for Tucker Barnhart because here's the deal. And shout out to uh, Ken, our friend, at ObscureXReds on Twitter because he tweeted out this stat yesterday, and that is when Tyler Stevenson was in the lineup last year, the Reds averaged over five runs a game. When he was out of the lineup, they averaged just a shy over three runs a game. So they're going to want to work him in as a DH and as a first baseman so they can continue to keep his bat in the lineup as close to every day as possible. They're not going to ask him to catch every day. There is no catcher in Major League Baseball that will catch every day next year. None. That doesn't exist anymore. That's not a thing, and we're not going to ask that. So Tucker Barnhart allows you to do that, and based on his performance last year, I don't think – he's going to be able to ask for 7 million. I think the Reds could possibly get him around four or 5 million, maybe less than that. And, 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 and if that's the case, do it tomorrow, which you can't, well, Jeff, you got to wait till November 6th, but yeah, do it. Then. Uh, yeah. You know, there's, there's a few more guys on this list. Let's, let's round out the hitters because this next hitter, uh, before we get into the pitching, this yeah. next hitter, I think is probably the most signable of of the guys mentioned however i don't know that we want to go this route and that of course is former uh you know cincinnati red and fan favorite billy hamilton now listen i love me some billy hamilton and his high-pitched squeaky interview given self he's a lot of fun uh 
Uh, he's still disruptive on the base pass if you can find a way to get him on the base pass. And and recently his you know usage has been much as a pinch runner because he can't hit another guy that just can't hit. But he still plays some mean defense and he can still run the bases. So. Uh, you know, would the fans like to see Billy Hamilton? Maybe, but this is really not the direction I think the Reds should go uh, because I've said it. I said it yesterday. You laughed at me, but there are, there are four signings from at least flirting with the idea of competing for that last wild card spot and hiring a guy that's going to probably not hit his weight is not the direction to get that done. No. And, and- he didn't. He only had 20 at bats last year, and he only had one hit in those 20 at bats. So looking at last year's stats doesn't really do you any good. Two years ago, he played more akin to a full season. He was still very bad. He got on base about 24 percent of the time. I mean, when we remember Billy, we were mad at his on base percentage, and he was getting on base 29 percent of the time. So it's it's gotten even worse than that. I I don't look at this. I mean, kind of like you said, like he is the most signable. But that's like saying that things at Dollar Tree are the most within my budget. Like, of course they are. But is that really where we're going to go for dinner? No, we're not going to go to Dollar Tree for dinner. We're going to at least go to Kroger, maybe somewhere better. So when I look at Billy Hamilton, I say, man, thanks for the memories. I loved watching you play here. And if they are to go sign him, they're not getting that Billy Hamilton. That, that guy's not walking through the door. And now you're talking about, would you rather play Stuart Fairchild in center field or Billy Hamilton? And I'm picking Stuart Fairchild. Every time. Every time. But there are some pitchers on this list as well that we need to get into. A couple of guys uh, like Johnny Cueto and uh, one, one dude whose name rhymes with Pomodus Lap. Wow, I can, for the YouTube viewers, can you all see the smoke (laughs) coming out of Jeff's ears right now while he was struggling to find a rhyme? That was very bad. That was really, really bad. Exactly. Uh, But yeah, uh, some that could happen, one that's not going to. uh, We'll get into that here. And, And also, I have a question about the idea of Red's reunions that just stumps me. And we'll get to that coming up next. Before we do, though, I wanted to let you know that you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two F's and you can follow the show at locked on reds. Also make sure that you're following us right here on YouTube and click that bell to get notified whenever we have new content for you, because as the off season rolls along, we're going to be here every single day talking about reds baseball. All right, Steve, uh, number one guy that we've got to talk about on the pitching side of things, of course, is Johnny Cueto. There were whispers, there were thoughts, there were musings of a possible reunion last spring training. There were some rumblings that that was at least talked about. I don't know to what extent or if that's even the case, but the Reds are not signing Johnny Cueto this year because Johnny Cueto was phenomenal last year. He 3.5 war last season, Jeff, that's, that's Luis Castillo territory Uh, for the Chicago white Sox in the American league. He threw 158 and a third innings, a 3.75 ERA. Uh, He is not coming here. It's just not going to happen. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, he clearly still has something to offer to a contender. There is no good reason for him to come to Cincinnati. He has nothing to prove. He he proved last season that he still got it. Uh, somebody with uh, some money to spend and a World Series to win is going to go out and get them some Johnny Coito in this offseason. Yeah, the, the idea of getting guys on prove-it one-year deals means that the Reds would have signed him last year because last year was his prove-it year and he proved it. And by the way, that's how you do a rhyme, uh, some money to spend in a world series to win. I'm just, I just, I hope <laughs> you're taking notes. I'm, I'm trying to spend help you, but win. I need you to, I need you to take notes. Spend when, <laughs> okay. If you have, <laughs> if you have a head cold, spend wind. Yeah. I think that kind of makes fun of my accent. Cold. Anyway. Um. So a role is Chapman. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about the one guy that ain't coming back, and that's Aroldis Chapman. Look, he's struggled. He he's had a rough year out of the bullpen for the New York Yankees. Uh, if you ask our friend Stacey Gatsoulias over at Lockdown Yankees, she wants to see anyone but him coming out of the bullpen. She she's done with him. Um, and honestly, the team might be done with him because he literally skipped a workout before the playoffs last year and didn't make the playoff roster because he himself thought that the workout was superfluous and he wasn't going to make the playoff roster anyway. So he went to the beach in Miami. Aroldis Chapman is still the off the field Aroldis Chapman with all of his antics that we remember him when he was in Cincinnati and he's not quite as good. Now he's added some different things to his game. He's got a cut fastball now, things like that, but you're still talking about a guy that I don't think is in the reds price range. And Bright lights, big city, that's what he wants. That's not what he gets here. Well, and bright lights, big city, yes, but contender postseason World Series. Mm -hmm. That's really what he wants. And listen, his off-field antics are what they are. I'm not going to get into a long commentary on that other than to say I don't want him here. I don't want the Reds to sign him. I don't want his drama. I don't want the things that he brings along with him in the form of baggage. Uh, All that being said, there's still a little bit of life left in that arm and again there's going to be a contender somebody that's willing to spend some money to put themselves over the top that are going to throw that money at him and sign him mark it down right now the dodgers are going to sign him which would be hilarious to it'll be hilarious to dodger fans because they're going to get trevor bauer off their mind and then they're going to bring a role to chapman in um which that's not the same thing at all but still the outfield antics will come into play there for that um anyway that got off way off topic let me ask you this Because when it comes to this idea, and I'll throw up the comment again uh, that J.D. said. He said, you know, if they're going to do this whole fringe free agent one-year rental route, then don't do minor fam Strickland Moran. I agree with that. However, what is the difference between those guys and the guys we talked about? Other than the fact that we knew them, other than the fact that they were Reds at one point, Aren't we just talking about the same guys and bodies that we've seen before? It's kind of like this, Jeff. If they went on this uh, signings of multiple reunion tours, I don't know what we'll call that. Like, you know, (laughs) run it back Um, to 2010. I don't know what we're calling this, but it's like this. Blink-182 is getting back together. We'll call it the Reds Blink-182. Yeah if they did this it's it's a it's a it's a clear admission of we're not trying 
for 2023. We're not going to sugarcoat it at all. It's a nostalgia play to put some fans in the seats to see the guys that in some cases they grew up cheering for. In some Mm -hmm. cases, you know, it's a, a reminder of, you know, kinder, gentler baseball and, and winning ways. And with these other guys, with the minors, with the fams, with those signings, that was a very half-hearted, weak attempt to put Nick Crawl in front of a camera for him to yeah. say, we are trying to make the playoffs. Do you remember? He came out at the beginning of the he season said that. and yes, he said, did. we're trying to make the playoffs. And I, I think that's the difference. Uh, a reunion tour of that magnitude would be a clear admission that we're not trying. We don't care if you know we're not trying, but here's some guys you used to love to make the bad baseball just a little bit better. Yeah, I, and that's that's kind of where I am on this. Like, don't get me wrong. Of the guys on this list, I would love to have Adam Duvall. I would really love to have Johnny Cueto. We're not getting Johnny Cueto. Don't think we're getting Johnny Cueto. Just block that out of your mind right now. It's not happening. But I would love to see Adam Duvall come here. I wouldn't mind to see Tucker Barnhart coming back. It's not going to get me be like, yes, we're going back to the playoffs now. But I will be happier about the Reds catching situation. But all of that aside, like I look at this and I say there's plenty of guys who are on the same level as these guys. We talked about Adam Duvall and how we pretty much loop him in with a couple of other dudes on the free agent market that the Reds could probably have maybe even cheaper than him. So I I just kind of look at this and I say, it's a fun idea to think about reunions. I, I agree. That's a, it's more of a PR ploy, but I don't want that prioritized. Like if they come out the day after free agency and say that they've signed all these guys, I'll be like, did they call anybody else? Because that is exactly what they do when they go for managerial hires. And that's exactly what they do when they go with front office hires. Billy Hamilton. He's coming home. There's your press <sighs> conference. Billy, Billy, Billy. I, I loved watching him. I did. I, I will not, I, I will not disparage the time that I watched Billy Hamilton. Uh, I, I think Chad Dotson is going to be yelling at us on Twitter over this. <laughs> that's in the past. We're not watching him again because that Billy Hamilton's not walking through that door. But you know what, Steve? That's where we will wrap up this edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Why did we end it on such a day? Oh, anyway, thank God. <laughs> coming up tomorrow, we have a live Aloha Friday with some thoughts on pitching help as well as your questions. And you can kind of help guide us through this show because I know you got thoughts about the off season. We want to hear them questions, all that stuff, bring them tomorrow. We'll bring our Hawaiian shirts and we'll have some fun talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Thanks for making the lockdown Reds podcast. Your first listen of the day. Now for your next listen, check out the locked on sports today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day can all be found on Locked On Sports Today. And it's just like Locked On Reds. It's available on the Odyssey app. It's available on YouTube. And it's available wherever you get your podcast. Steve, it's the off season now. I mean, it's been the off season for the Reds for a while. But with the World Series coming, there's really only seven games left in the season, probably less. What's that mean for you and me? That means you and I are about to swing into full off-season mode. We're going to be watching the transaction wires. We're going to be listening for uh, the announcements from the Reds front office. And we will keep you, the listener, informed because we are going to be locked on Reds every single day.
Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.